Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right? Who was wrong? And who is dead? Hi, I'm Jacob. I'm Jessica. And we're here today with Tracy Friedman. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. This is great. So, Tracy, you wrote a freelance episode for Murder, She Wrote, which we are guessing on today. But before we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about, like, you know, your origin story? Like, how did you get into writing and and how did you snag a freelance script for Murder, She Wrote? Oh, wow. Well, you know, everyone loves to talk about themselves. So this may be a very long story. (laughs) Excellent. Anyway, I was always interested in writing ever since I was a a child. And here's an example. In fifth grade, we had to do a section on autobiography. So we each had to write an autobiography. And most of the kids wrote a half a page Mm -hmm. or a full page or maybe a page and a half. And my autobiography was 65 pages. In fifth grade? That is fantastic. I'm sorry. Keep going. Wow. It had a cover, it had chapters and illustrations, and a chapter index, it had acknowledgments and a dedication. Oh my um, goodness. That and I know fantastic. this because I still have it out in the garage. <gasps> and it's not very good, but clearly <laughs> I was gung-ho. Yes. Um, so anyway, I mean, throughout... My grade school years and my high school years, my college years, people were always very enthusiastic about my writing. So it was always something that people were urging me to do. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I started dancing, singing, and acting when I was a child. And I was also totally into that. So through most of my 20s, I worked as a dancer, singer, actress, performer. And then when you say when you say work, like was like what 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 was the work? Were you on Broadway show where like you a chorus girl on Broadway? Were you doing music videos? What well, were you doing? I, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which, believe it or not, had a very thriving theater community, including a very successful summer theater called the Milwaukee Melody Top and a wonderful director choreographer named Bob Simpson. And I started working for Bob when I was a teenager and I was working for the Melody Top when I was a teenager. I went on tour with the bus and truck of Cabaret when I was 18. Oh, wow. so I was, you know, one of the things about being a dancer is it's something you can be very good at when you're very young. Yeah. You know, as opposed to being a writer, I don't think there are a lot of 18-year-old writers, but there are a lot of 18-year-old dancers. Mm. So at any rate, through most of my 20s, I worked as a performer. But then when I got to be about 30, I started thinking about doing other things. So at this point, I was living in Chicago. And I started choreographing, which is something I had also always done. 
And I had a lot of success right away as a choreographer, both in Chicago and in New York, doing national tours. And then after a while, I wanted to direct. So I thought, well, how will I convince somebody to let me direct? I know I'll write something and then they'll have to let me direct it. And so I conceived a project called The Middle of Nowhere, which was a musical based on Randy Newman songs. Oh. And um, I wrote a proposal. I contacted Randy Newman. Which, I by the way, the you're right. already so far ahead of the game. Like, t- contacting him and getting the rights, that's fantastic. Well, it was, you know, and it was so interesting because I was, I was writing to his lawyer, like, for months. This is a funny story. And his lawyer kept putting me off. And at one point, he said, well, Randy's really busy. He's writing the music for The Natural. And I said, really? He's still writing the music for The Natural? Because I just saw it in the movie theater last week. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, one day I was brushing my teeth and the phone rang and it was Randy Newman. And he said, I read this proposal. I really like it. I think I'm going to be in Chicago soon. And I said, yes, you're going to be here this weekend. And he said, well, let's get together. So we got together and talked about the project and he liked it. Um, gave me the rights, which then, of course, had to be negotiated. Right. So anyway, the first theater I peddled it to, which is a very prestigious Chicago theater called Wisdom Bridge, wanted to do it. And they put it on the schedule, but for a year hence. Mm -hmm. So anyway, eventually did the middle of nowhere. And it was a big success in Chicago. And it was extended for several weeks. And that was all great, and it ended. And then I thought, well, I want to do it at other theaters, and I wanted to do it in New York. That's going to take another couple of years. So what should I do in the meantime? And I happened to be watching television while I was asking myself this question. And then I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a television writer. That's amazing. So this is Chicago. This is in the 80s. You had to come out to L.A. at that point to be a TV writer. So when did you come? How did yeah? How did you get started? And when did you come out to L.A.? So I had two or three friends from my theater years who had already immigrated to Los Angeles. And I called them and I said, I want to write episodic one hour drama. What do I do? And they said, you have to write spectacular episodes of existing TV shows. So, okay, I can do that. So I taped shows, you know, on my VCR mm-hmm. tape recorder, which was practically as big as a refrigerator. <laughs> and I studied these shows and I wrote outlines of these shows and I counted the number of scenes and I counted the dialogue exchanges. And I analyzed numerous episodes of whatever show I was studying until I felt like I understood how the show was constructed. And then I wrote three spec scripts and then I put them in my little suitcase and I went out to Hollywood and I got a really wonderful agent within three weeks 
and she was well known for launching people's careers. That was kind of her metier was launching careers. Mm -hmm. And so that should be happy ending. Tracy has a TV career, <laughs> except this was February 1988. And in March 1988, the Writers Guild went on strike. Yep. And that was, and that was that a was big that. one. Huge. So it was like a year. And uh, my agent had said, okay, go back to Chicago, sell your house, be here by May, because staffing will start in May. And um, we were in touch while I was in Chicago. And she said, "Ah, hopefully the strike won't last. But it lasted a really long time. Yeah. And she closed her agency. And... And I moved to LA in the middle of this writer's strike and, you know, there was no work and now I didn't have an agent and I'm like, what am I doing here? This is a nightmare. Oh, so what did you do? There you go. Then what happened was remember the Randy Newman show, a producer in New York finally raised the money. So I went to New York and did the Randy Newman show in New York. Perfect. So when I came back to LA a, almost a year later and started all over again. Wow. That's it. And is that so? How did you snag a freelance for Murder She Wrote? Well, this is how that happened. So I was the very first two jobs that I had when I, I got a new agent mm-hmm. and she was very effective and that was great. You know, now another year has passed. I mean, time is passing. And um, so the very first jobs I had were on a show called, a new show called The Antagonists. And it was a law show about a prosecuting attorney and a defense attorney who were always, you know, had sexual tension and were always at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my specialty, actually, was writing law shows. So I was hired to write two episodes of that brand new show, which was an incredible coup for a complete newbie to be hired on a new show. Wow. And the executive producer was Dan Sullivan, wonderful guy, just loved him. The show did not catch on. So it was nine episodes and out. Mm. And then, so this was Universal. And there was a, a woman who worked for Universal. Let's call her Anne. Okay. And I hadn't met her. I don't remember how. She really liked my writing. And she was hired to be a supervising producer on the new season of Murder, She Wrote. So she convinced them to bring me on to write a freelance episode. Now, there were only four people on that staff. Wow. And this and this is when they were doing 22 episodes. Yeah, that's astonishing. Wow. Yeah. So they must have been planning on using a lot of freelancers. So anyway, the, the producers always write their scripts first. So the freelance people kind of have to wait a little mm-hmm. while. So my agent and I were waiting to get the call. And we finally get the call, and this is what has transpired in the meantime. And 
has written her first episode, which allegedly Angela Lansbury hated. And she was fired. Oh, dear. But we don't have to feel that bad for Anne because she got paid $30,000 a week just to sit in an office at Universal and come up with ideas for other shows. Live in the dream. So anyway, so now there are there three guys left. So I looked it up. The, the executive producer's name was, I knew it was David, David Mosinger. Just the nicest guy ever. Oh, that's good. And, and um, another old timer named Robert Swan and some other guy who I don't remember. And so they brought me in. So they're stuck with because I have a contract. And they were just talking to me and saying, well, tell us about yourself. And what are you interested in? And so naturally, theater came up. And so they said, well, why don't you go away and work out a story that takes place in the world of the theater? No problem. So I go away and I come back a couple of weeks later with, you know, stage bait falls on somebody's head. You know, aging diva, married to the director, young understudy, you know, wants her spot. And, right. And they're looking at this outline. And they're going, oh, gosh. We just assigned another freelance writer to write an episode that takes place in the world of ballet, which is basically the same thing. Yeah. Oh. Also, on the head of aging diva, <laughs> you know, a young understudy having an affair. You get the point. So they said, nah, we can't do both of these. So then we're just spitballing. And I believe it was David, the executive producer, said, what about an historical recreation? And somebody said, a witch trial. And I went, Yes, this I can do. This is absolutely, you know, my wheelhouse. And so they said, great, go away and eat out a story that uh, circulates around the people of Cabot Cove doing an historical recreation of a witch trial. So that's how the topic of the episode came up. Why did you think that was a wheelhouse thing? Had you Was that a particular background interest of yours? Well, I'm a theater major. I mean, I know the crucible inside out and backwards. It's just, to me, that's like, yeah, I yeah. get it. And if I can write dialogue that sounds like it's from the 16th century, I majored in period styles when I was in college. You know, I, oh. nothing I would like better than, you know, right, 16th, 17th century dialogue. So, you know, and it's spooky and it's theatrical. And it was just, you know, everything that I would be interested in and thought that I would be good at. So that's, that's how the episode came about. That's fantastic. And did you have attraction to mysteries? before or outside of the show and were there skills or qualities that well you just talked about the 16th century that's fantastic the the period styles that you brought to that but yeah did you have an interest in mysteries before well i know the name of your show is clued down it so you should probably say yes 
I love <laughs> mysteries. I've always loved mysteries, but no, 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 no. That was not a particular interest of mine. Although the very, very, very first spec script I wrote was a murder she wrote. But I don't think it was that I was particularly interested in mystery. It was just such a well-known, beloved show mm-hmm. that, like everybody else, I had been watching it for years. It seemed familiar to me. It seemed like something I could do. So I ended up writing a spec murder she wrote and then the one episode. And I don't think I've, I've written a lot of investigative stuff, but not particularly mysteries. And now in the literary world, you know, there's a whole genre called cozy mysteries. Murder, she wrote, is kind of the quintessential cozy mystery. You know, people die, but there's really no heartbreak involved. And everything's ready. Everything's done by tea time. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, truly is not a genre that particularly interests me. I'm interested in edgier stuff. So if, if mysteries weren't your, like, metier beforehand, were you given any rules above and beyond that? Like, were you given any rules about the mystery or the show had to work? Well, the only, the only thing that I recall is that after I brought in the first draft which, by the way, I have the first draft. It's right here. Wow. Because my agent, for some reason, had it bound in leather. Wow. And, uh, with, uh, you know, with the marble. Oh, wow. Oh they went gosh. all out. So the witch, murder she wrote, the witch's curse. So I had this. It's in my living room. because, And I looked for the, I looked in my office just see if I could find a production draft or a later draft, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a long time ago. But the one thing I do remember after I brought in the first draft, which I think reads really, really well, which I wasn't sure. You know, I haven't looked at this for 30 years. And this was the beginning of my career. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I could have read it uh, oh, man, this totally sucks. But in fact, I was impressed. But the one thing they did say, getting to the point of your question, is, well, we usually like to develop three suspects. And they were all potentially there in this draft. But I didn't actually focus like this act, this person is a suspect. And in this act, this person is a suspect. Mm-hmm. So I have to assume I corrected that in the later draft, but I couldn't find it, so I don't know. But that's the that's the only guidance that they gave me. And of course, if I had done my studying better, I would have known that already. I still think you did pretty good on the studying if you managed to get like an agent and everything else coming out here. I, I think you did just fine. <laughs> yeah, you know. Anyway, that, that's the one thing I remember, the rule that they gave me. Do you want me to tell you the story of the episode? No, actually. Oh. Well, because we're going to no, we're gonna we watch that episode and we're going to and we'll guess on it. If you could give us a log line of it, like what would you say the log line of it was? We'd love to hear that. The town of Chabot Co. is staging an historical recreation of a witch trial. They cannot find a leading lady. Just as the auditions are ending, 
the doors to the town hall blow open. And this beautiful young woman dressed all in black with black hair standing there with thunder and lightning behind her. And she appears to be a recreation of Rachel Abbott. Okay. Yeah, that is dramatic. That's an opener. <laughs> yes. Wow. And it, were you on set as well for this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so um, well, I can tell you another funny story, which you may not have time for. So anyway, this is back in the day when you delivered the scripts in person. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, today you would just email it. But So I delivered this, the final draft after the script. And it was lunchtime and nobody was around. So I just gave it to the secretary and I was, you know, waiting for a call from the executive producer or one of the supervising producers, you know, because I, you, you have to do a first draft, a second draft, and then a polish Mm -hmm. if they want to polish that's in the contract. So I didn't know if they wanted to polish or notes or whatever. I didn't hear from anybody. Days are going by, and I didn't hear from anybody. And because you know, I live with my glass half empty. I'm thinking, oh my god, they hated it. <laughs> it's a it's a very writerly thing, yes. And so I went on a trip up the coast. I drove up to Monterey and went to the Hearst Castle. And I came back. They still don't hear anything. And so my, I called my agent. I said, I just think they just did not like it. It must have just off. And so she called up David and said, my client's in tears. She thinks you hated her script. What's going on? He said, hated her script? We just loved it. We like shoved four out of four episodes out of the lineup to bump this one up for sweeps. So we started shooting it on Monday. Wow. wow. Oh, I felt much better. Yes. Yes. That's, that's a great thing to hear. Yeah. Um, but see, this is the nature of television. The people who run these shows are so overwhelmed with responsibility. You think, well, why couldn't he pick up the phone and just say, love the script? Don't have time for it. Yeah. Just don't have time. So anyway, he did invite me out to lunch and then we went on set and I was there the day they shot the scene where the doors blow open and the reincarnation of Rachel Abbott appears and they had a fan. It must have been 12 feet in diameter, you know, that blew in all this dust and leaves and her hair garments and the doors and it was it was very exciting that's fantastic wow yeah. and and they were very very nice to me and very complimentary and everybody really liked the episode yeah. so that was a good day mostly i hate being on sets because it's boring Mm-hmm. And the writer really has nothing left to do. I mean, it's out of the writer's hands. So you're just sitting around and it's boring. <laughs> but at least in this case, you know, they were really nice to me. And the actors kept coming up to me and saying how much they enjoyed it. Because see, it was so theatrical mm-hmm. that the actors actually got to dig their teeth into something that was really fun for them. 
So, and also I want to mention that um, one of the characters, the complaining witness, see the two stories parallel, mm -hmm. the witch trial story and the present day story are moving in parallel. So Lydia Winthrop is one of the main characters and she's the complaining witness in the witch trial. And she was played by the actress Marion Seldes. Now, I don't know if you recognize that name, but I mean, she was a grand dame of the Broadway theater. I mean, just an absolutely stellar actress and it blew my mind that, you know, she was, I'd seen her on Broadway many times that she was in this episode that I wrote. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that was one of my questions is, is what it was like to be, and to see the, the two of them in the same room, Angela Lansbury and Marianne, yes. yeah, Marianne, Marianne Seldes. 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 Yeah. Seldes. Now, I don't remember meeting Angela Lansbury. Oh, okay. Mm. And I don't think anybody introduced me to her, but I may just have forgotten. Were you able to see them act but, opposite each other? I'm sorry, go on. I'm sorry. One of the faults I see when I read this first draft of the script is that Jessica is not very present in the first few scenes. Mm. And I wonder if that was, if I corrected that in later drafts, because it feels like a real fall to me. I was like so caught up in the witch trial, <laughs> which he wasn't a participant in, that I kind of forgot the star of the show. <laughs> So I'm sure anyway. they, it sounds like they forgave you. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You asked me one other thing, which I've talked probably too long. You know, was there something I had look up or look yeah. up to find a clue? Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a thing about this character. Lydia Winthrop is wearing a, a large diamond ring. Mm-hmm. And she says it's an heirloom that belonged to her great-great-grandmother. And later we learned that Jessica was aware that the cut of the diamond was a style of diamond that didn't come into being until like the 1920s. So it couldn't have been her great-great-grandmother's ring. And certainly that would have been something I would have to have looked up because I don't know anything about diamonds. <laughs> I can't I can't decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> we should all know more about diamonds. Well, yeah. I remember the, the last Murder, She Wrote episode that we did. There was also a jeweler that came to the rescue. You're right. <laughs> there just happened to be a jeweler on the plane. Instead of like, is there really? a doctor? There was a jeweler. Was. Have you, you've done Murder, She Wrote episodes? We did, we've done one. Well, I forget the name of it. We, we did one where she, it, was a, it wasn't exactly a bottle episode, but most of the action of the episode took place on an airplane flight from, okay. from Boston yeah, well, to you've... London. You've got your terminology straight. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything interesting about any of the other shows you worked on that you wanted to share? There's so many interesting things. I did, I did a lot of shows. I mean, I could tell you one more story, which you'll probably cut out. But oh, if you want to be a writer, 
there are two things you have to do. You have to keep writing and you have to get as many people to read your work as possible because you just never know when the door is going to open. I mean, who is going to open the door for you? And so here's this little story. So I remember after the writer's strike, I went mm-hmm. away and I came back. And I'm dead in the water. I mean, this is just an unbelievable story. So a friend of mine in Chicago had a friend who was a sitcom producer in L.A. And she prevailed upon him to meet with me, which was very nice of him. I don't write sitcoms. That's all he does. So he met with me and he was very nice. And I gave him the new spec that I had written, which was for the show China Beach. Oh, you know, yeah. the show China mm-hmm. Beach. I remember. Real quality show about Vietnam. Yeah. It was the, the nurses. just kind of a weird kind of. It wasn't a, it was a kind of a mash. Like, here's the nurses. Here are how their lives through Vietnam. Yeah. Exactly. And during that year while I was away, my sister died. And my mother died. And then I came back to LA and I had no agent and didn't know I was there. And so I sat down and I wrote this China Beach spec and I poured my heart and soul into it. It's still one of the best things I've written. So when I went to meet this sitcom producer, he agreed to take the script, which was very nice. What's he going to do with it? He's a sitcom guy. So anyway, a couple of weeks later, my phone rang and it was this woman who said, my name's Carol Bennett and I'm an agent. And my girlfriend is the executive secretary for the sitcom producer. And I came here to meet her for lunch and I was waiting for her. And I saw this script report on her desk. So I picked it up and I started reading it. It's the most glowing script coverage I've ever seen. It's just a rave. It's a rave review. And I want to know if you have an agent and can I read that script? And she became my agent and she's the one that launched my career. So you just never know how or when it's gonna happen. That is fantastic. So you just have to keep writing and keep putting it out there. And maybe someday somebody's waiting for somebody next to a desk and picks up a piece of coverage and the next thing you know, you're writing television. That is an amazing story. And I, that's it. I like mic drop. I think we're done. I think that does it all. Thank you for sharing that. Oh my gosh. Thank, Thank you, you for, for sharing all of that with yeah. us. That Those were all amazing Amazing well, I mean, it was amazing to me, too. I mean, it was just like, I mean, seriously, I was just dead in the water. And then the phone rang. And I mean, it's not like it happened the next week. Right. It was still another year. But this is this is what you have to do. Keep writing. Put your heart into it. And get anybody who's willing to read your material to read your material. And a lot of my students, I taught writing for a while, are so, well, what if they take my idea? What if they steal from me? Well, if they're going to steal from you, they're going to steal from you. And there's nothing you can do about it. But if you just stay home, nothing's going to happen. So that's my advice. I love it. 
Tracy, thank okay. you so much. Thank you so much for this. This was so great. And yeah. Well, I hope you get out of something useful. Oh, I'm sure we can. There's, so much. There's so I, much I don't here. even know that we'll edit. It was wonderful. <laughs> thank you so much. And oh, the, thank you. It's, it's my pleasure. And it's a real honor that you wanted to talk to me. And, and uh, it's delightful. Thank you so much to Tracy for coming on the podcast and telling us about writing for Murder, She Wrote. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time with some more guessing. 